2: Agriculture is one of Minnesota's biggest industries, and of course you know this. And Grow North is an initiative that strives to keep this industry top of mind and moving forward. This week, the organization is holding its fourth annual Food Egg Ideas Week which brings people from across the industry together to, to help build up the community. Well, during this year's festivities, Grow North will introduce Naturally Minnesota, the newest affiliate of the Naturally Network. To explain what that is and to preview this week's events, Executive Director Allison Hahn joins us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Hello, Allison, and welcome. Hello, Gerald, and thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you. First of all, I had never heard about this, um, and I was really excited to read more about it. I mean, this is your um, really big event that's happening October 3rd, starting tomorrow through the 6th, and it's the fourth annual Food Ag Ideas Week. So tell us more about um, what this Grow North is really all about.
3: Sure. So Grow North is a nonprofit that's focused on supporting food and ag entrepreneurs in the state of Minnesota. And this event is our marquee event of the year. And it's a way we're able to kind of bring together all different facets of the food and ag industry. So you will have, you know, all of the industry reps from Cargill, Lando Lakes, General Mills, you know, all of the classic large companies we have here interfacing with entrepreneurs, investors, lawyers, Uh, service providers who are, you know, agency marketing folks, professors, other government folks, other nonprofit leaders. It truly is a, a wonderful intersection bringing together all of these facets of our ecosystem.
2: Is this something that others can come? Like if I wanted to come to something like this, buy the ticket and just show up?
3: You can. I mean, we kick off, you know, in just over 12 hours uh, tomorrow right. morning at the Science Museum, and it's the first time we're back in person from 2019, but it is open to the public. So um, the wonderful thing is, you know, if you are, you know, members of any of those, or you just want to learn more and network, um, it's a great opportunity to show up, and we have an incredible array of speakers and content. The theme for this year is the interconnectedness of the global food supply, which With inflation and the labor market and geopolitical conflicts and the importance of having, you know, accessible, nutritious food accessible to everyone. I mean, it's going to be a a really fun lineup to learn more.
2: Yeah, especially with climate change on top of that uh, as well. It's really quite remarkable what we're seeing right now. I just was I was reading an article earlier today about Somalia. And how desperately they are for food. I mean, it's just such a horrible drought right now. And of course, the African continent has had this challenge so many times throughout my lifetime. And I'm just wondering if what technology you could possibly tell us about that you're excited uh, to talk about in this particular upcoming event that is starting tomorrow.
3: Well, we have one session that focuses on kind of robotics and automation and technology and the role of the ag ecosystem. So I think there's more and more technology being developed and implemented and adopted that will support better growth of crops in areas where, you know, it's figuring out how do you grow robust crops in places where you have limited water, limited natural resources, um, and other alternatives like controlled indoor agriculture. Where people can build uh, buildings and facilities where they're able to grow a lot of those you know fresh greens, things like that in a way where it's minimal resource usage. So I think we'll start to see a lot more of those types of technologies expand um, you know across the US and across the world to help meet the demands of feeding 10 billion people by 2050.
2: I remember once I actually toured around a Disney World and didn't realize that Walt Disney himself was absolutely brilliant about different ways of growing food. Uh, and I'm sure you probably are are um, uh, much smarter than me (laughs) to understand something like that. But they had hanging plants with no water really engaged, um, things like that. And so I'm just curious to know, we all know that climate has changed and is continuing to change every moment. And that we're gonna get to the point where water is going to be a challenge. Although we know that there's desal, what do they call it when they take the salt out of the ocean and you can drink that water. Thank you, desalination. And of course they have to put the salt back into the water, but we are finding ways to look forward to make sure that our that human beings can survive. As you are coming up with all of these day, uh, all of these ideas uh, for food and agriculture, I'm just curious to know what is the key thing that is happening starting tomorrow through the sixth of October that you are so excited about presenting and letting people know that this is what's happening.
3: Sure, I think we have two sessions that are really going to kind of encapsulate those questions. The first is our keynote, which features Heather Tansy. She's the VP of Sustainability at Cargill. And so obviously Cargill being the largest privately owned company in the United States, they touch an extremely high proportion of food products that go across the globe. Um, I think every egg sold at a McDonald's is a Cargill egg. So um, her talk, I think, will be extremely interesting where it's going to be around, you know, what is it from farm to table? How will they have to work together with farmers, with the production side, and everything in between to make sure we can create sustainable foods where you're protecting both people and planet? And then the second one um, is a plenary session also tomorrow called "The Future of Food: Climate Change Reshaping the Global Landscape." So I think if you know everything you just asked, I think will be touched on in that session. Um, that's by David Burrow, the CEO of Future IQ. And he looks at all of the trends um, when you talk about population changes, socioeconomic changes, climate change, everything that feeds into that, the adoption of technology, and how that's going to impact uh, the world over, with a special focus on Minnesota. We're in a very lucky position that we have 10% of the world's fresh water supply, which is a wild number to think about, um, right. with Lake Superior. And I know there's a lot of, um, you know, Shortage of water out west, and so I think the dynamic really will be, you know, does water get taken out of here to support agriculture elsewhere, or do we maintain it here and Minnesota and up into Canada really becomes, um, you know, the breadbasket of the U.S. in the next 30 to 50 years, more so than it is now.
2: You know, I've always wondered, Allison, if, if the big question for me is why in the world do we not, if we can put oil pipes underneath the ground, right, pretty deep down, mm-hmm. why can't we put pipes down that can move water in places where there's, um, you know, not a drought, but so much water they can't even use it, like what's happening in Florida with a hurricane? Why can't we get something or make something to have it move all around our country to make sure that we never have a drought again?
3: Yeah, I mean that's a great question. I am not an expert in water management, so I would love to know the answer to that problem. Um, I'm sure there's infrastructure that can be built, um, but I mean weather's unpredictable, right? So you might build a massive reservoir to capture all that rainfall and runoff, and then it's going to have to be processed, purified, and then you know tanked or piped across the country. But I think that'll probably be something of the future where we really have to manage our resources more effectively.
2: And finally, Grow North, of course, introducing that Naturally uh, Minnesota. Can you tell me a little bit about Naturally Minnesota?
3: Yes. Yeah. So this is a really exciting moment um, for our ecosystem. Naturally, uh, the Naturally Network is a national network of organizations just like Grow North that support ag, food and ag entrepreneurs across the country. And they have eight chapters, New York, Chicago, Boulder, Austin, San Diego, L.A., and two in the Bay Area. And so it's an established network. It's a great way for us to get access to more resources, to get incredible connectivity to those regions. So if you're a local brand who's trying to build up and escape, you know, Minnesota or escape the region, we now have direct connections into Texas and buyers, distributors, retailers there to help expand their network and distribution. And so tomorrow night, um, our big networking event is a launch party for Naturally Minnesota anyone can attend. You don't even have to attend FAI. If you have an FAI pass, it's a ticket is included, but you can just attend that launch party for fun. Um, If you work in any food uh, CPG related area, I would suggest coming out. It's going to be an awesome networking party. And we're also doing a pitch slam where we have six different companies pitching to win up to $50,000 in cash and in-kind prizes. So, and it's at the Mill City Museum starts at 6, um, and we have full run of the museum, the flower tower. There will be food, drinks. Uh, the VIP swag bags have a ton of local products, which are worth more than the cost of that ticket. Um, and it's just going to be a great night for the ecosystem. We're really excited about it.
2: And if people want more information, where do they go?
3: They can go to foodagideas.com, or they can search for Grow North at the Carlson School at the U of M. Uh, We do live at the U of M and it's a land-grant university, so it's been a wonderful partnership for us to reside there.
2: I am always blown away by what the University of Minnesota has done and what they are doing. I am so proud to be, you know, to be able to say that about Minnesota. We have this incredible university as well as many others. But, wow, I can't wait to hear more about Grow North. And thank you so much, Allison, for joining us tonight and sharing this information. I'll give that website out a few times for sure. You enjoy awesome. your evening. Thank you so much for having me, John. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay. Cheers. All right. All right, you guys. If you want more information about this, because there's a lot of information about it, um, I want you to go to www.foodagideas.com. Again, that's food ag a g And of course, she mentioned the Carlson School of of the University of Minnesota. You can go to that website at Carlson School. E D U slash grow north. There's a lot to learn about the new ways of growing food, what is happening around the country. Um uh, not just the country but around the world. I had a dear friend take me to um uh, the what is it called? Remember the puppets, Jonathan? Um, goodness, the puppets and in on Lake City. The puppets. Yeah, the, the puppets. They're this, they oh, I will figure out the name of this theater. Anyway, I had a chance to go to one of their shows at that theater. Oh, uh, you're talking and, about the uh,
4: one, you said, in Uptown?
2: No, no, not far from Uptown. It's on Lake Street. Oh, I'll get it. I'll, fig- I'll figure it out. But I will say the Steels used to use some of their huge puppets. And I remember a friend of mine saying to me, Jarlin, you know, I asked her, why do they talk about water so much? She said, because water will be the next war. And if that were to be true, which I don't doubt this particular friend of mine at all, uh, it is remarkable what we're hearing now. And people are coming up with solutions. And hopefully some of the solutions that she just talked about briefly um, could definitely be the ones that could take us you know, up and forward as, as not just a country, but as the world, as a planet, because we can't do it without each other. That's the bottom line. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll come back in a minute. Welcome back, everyone. It is now 825 here at WCCO as we are wrapping up this half hour. And of course, we're going to do some weather soon. Um, But, you know, Jonathan, I I must say, I couldn't think of the name of the puppet um, theater, but someone called in and I remembered it before they called in. Thank goodness. It's called In the Heart of the Beast Puppet and Mask Theater. And um, I remember them talking about, you know, the the horrible thing that's going to happen is about water. And it's really happening. I mean, there's so much happening to our water that we don't even know about. Like there are drying agents that are, you know, placed in the water. And you keep drinking water. and You keep wondering, why in the world am I still thirsty? Because someone is putting a drying agent in it. Dasani was one of the first. And you can't, it used to be you could read it. I think it's called Mono... Oh, I'll, I'll write that down and make that right for you. But you can go to their websites now. They don't put it on the back of their bottles, most of them anymore, because they don't want people to know about this drying agent. But look it up. Look at all of the bottled water you buy all over the place and just read whether they whether or not they have that. And so I'm just curious to know, um, for you, Jonathan, do you ever think about how the food is grown or, or what you're eating is, is the best it can be? Or do you just say, I'm going for it?
4: Uh, usually more, I'm going for it. I should uh, be more. Again, just like in voting, invested in what actually food is made out of, and and what I'm putting into my body. And by the way, I believe the agent you're talking about is an uh, anhydrous. Anhidri- I'm sorry, anhydrous no. mag- magnesium sulfate. Ugh. And magnesium hydris, sulfate. And, you don't and, even
2: have to put hydrus before just magnesium sulfate. Yeah. If they look that up, you can see what you can actually look up. What bottled waters actually have it? Do you have that in front of you, Jonathan?
4: Uh, I, it shows here Dasani is is one of them. I'm I'm looking mm-hmm. at an article that is talking about specifically Dasani and how it has four different, um, four different ingredients for salt. Uh right. Tap water magnesium sulfate, potassium, chloride, and salt.
2: There you go. Isn't that shocking? So many people will say to me, Geraldine, that can't be true. Yes, it is. I lost my voice about four minutes before I was supposed to go on stage at the depot for a big gala. And I had so much fun there. And I was uh, singing with Cat Perkins. We were doing a duet of her song, her big song. And I was backstage. I kept drinking. Dasani kept drinking. And I, all of a sudden my voice was going. She happened to come upon me and we only had four minutes to get on that stage before we had to be on the stage. And I said, my voice is going. She goes, what did you drink? I said, I drank some water. Which one? Dasani. She goes, that's what it is. She ran to the to the kitchen area grabbed a a, a big glass of water and um, of tap water and all of a sudden it just slowly and by the time i got on that stage my voice was back all because of cat perkins and i'm so grateful for that i didn't know anything about this drying agent that was being put in water so look it up you guys so you know what we're talking about. Okay, we just about run out of of time about this, but when it comes to water, look up what challenges we're having, not just in our country, but all over the world. Drought is real. It is very real. We had our own drought this year. Here in the great state of Minnesota, and some people thought, oh, no, we're not going to have a drop, but we did, and it looks like we're almost at the end of it, and I'm so grateful for that, so I hope it rains soon so we well, can actually announce that. I,
4: I don't know if it's if we're at the end of it because we just got word uh, a couple of days ago at the beginning – I'm sorry, yesterday – this September was the driest September for the Twin Cities, a mm-hmm. uh, dry September on record. We did not even get a quarter of an inch of rain of water for the entire month of September.
2: That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, it's really amazing. But at the same time, when I listen to Paul Douglas especially, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trusting that we will know what to do with the right thing to do. I'm just hoping so, because I know I, I don't have the knowledge to do it. But if someone wants to pour it into me, come on with it. Come on with it. All right. We've run out of time. Of course, we have to do a little bit of, of um, weather and that sort of thing. And that's coming up next. Stay tuned. It is now 8.35 here at WCCO. Welcome back to all of you. Thank you so much for sticking and staying. You are listening to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. I've been here 23 years. And the other voice that you hear is Jonathan Lowe, our producer. Um, I have to tell you, um, this next conversation I'm very interested in. Why? Because it's Reese Brits that we're talking to. And, um, let's tell, let me tell you a little bit about the bio. So, Theater la da um, Reese has performed in 12 Angry Men, Jelly's Last Jam um, Theater, *Chan Hassan Dinner Theaters, The Music Man, The Ordway, Smokey Joe's Cafe, uh, Mamma Mia, and so many more. Even, um, you know, she did some training and, of course, has a degree, a BFA in Music Theater, University of Minnesota Duluth, and proud AEA member upcoming. The Ordway Beauty and the Beast is, uh, of course, people are already talking about out. And of course, Reese Britz is a biracial Black performer and goofball based in Minneapolis. He was awarded the Spotlight Triple Threat Award in 2015, named Cherry and Spoons One to Watch in 2019, and was named the Ordway Center for Performing Arts New Resident Artist in 2021. Since 2019, Reese has worked Reese has worked around the Twin Cities at numerous theaters such as Artistry, the Ordway, the Jungle Theater, the Guthrie, Chanhassen Dinner Theaters, Lyric Arts, and. The- La-di-da. wow. Reese is a true Minnesotan, grew up in Andover, Minnesota, and graduated from the University of Minnesota Duluth with a bachelor's degrees of fine arts and music musical theater in 2019. So I'm so excited to meet him. Uh, We're going to talk about a show called merrily we roll along, which of course the music and lyrics are from Stephen Sondheim, book by George Firth and directed by Peter Rothstein. I want to say, welcome to you, Reese. How are you? I'm good, Sherlyn. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, when you listen to all of this about you and I only, only read a bit of all that you do, you must, I wonder if that puts a smile on your face.
5: It does. It definitely makes me proud. I'm, I'm doing exactly what I love to do, and I'm very grateful that I'm doing it.
2: When you know that you know that you are doing exactly what you are supposed to do, that is the best feeling in the world. Has there ever been a doubt in your mind that theater was it?
5: You know, actually during the pandemic when I didn't have it for a bit, I thought to myself is this really what i want to do is this what i'm supposed to be doing and after probably month two in the pandemic without performing and without any source of theater in my life i was like yeah i i'm my heart is aching right now i know that this is exactly what i'm supposed to be doing
2: well i do know that you are also um an activist in a a way right you You have been very interested in uh, surrounding yourself and talking to people about equity, diversity, and inclusion. Do I have that correct in the Twin Cities Theater community? Yes, that's correct. Right. And you've taken a part of a handful of theaters to talk about these equity, uh, diversity, and inclusion conversations, which are really integral right now to help us all understand and remind ourselves that we have to get along. Tell me why this is so important to you.
5: You know, it, it's very important to me because as a biracial black man and performer in this town, it's uh, I have seen myself and other people of color that are also performers being um, othered or ostracized in the room. And it's just not, it hasn't been a safe space or a brave space for us. So it has been, I, I started conversations with some artistic directors around town of people that i've worked with or trusted and also i've learned a lot from um, some mentors of mine that are the ones leading the conversation in the theater community around here and this this work is is very important it's a marathon not a sprint so it's going to be a while until we are at a place that there is equity between everyone But the thing that our generation can do is strive for that and work towards it so that the next generation of artists and young people of color and young uh, people that are diverse can um, be equal.
2: I am so grateful to hear you speak those words because it, it really, as we move forward in, in the theater, theater world, of course, Minnesota has been so entrenched in theater for so many decades, and it's been a wonderful thing, a wonderful journey, and we want to con- continue that. So knowing that you are out there, you know, making sure that DEI is for real and, and telling it to every ear that will hear, hear it, it's, it really means a lot to me. But how do you also reach out beyond Minnesota? Have you considered that?
5: Um, I have considered that. I'm actually, um, it's, it's, it's a very sad thing to say, but I am moving to New York in um, January. I'm oh, very excited about you. it. Yes, <laughs> but I will, I will definitely be back, especially if theaters will have me. Plus also family is out here and I can't go too long without seeing them. But um, I have already spoken with a couple people to set me up with some... Um, Ju- uh, social justice uh, groups out there, uh, specifically around theater, just so I can continue continue that work and getting more of the vocabulary in in my body so that I can help help move forward in this work.
2: Okay, so Theatre La die, you know, they continue exploring the arc of Stephen Sondheim's artistic genius and this innovative musical about a group of friends spans three decades spooling backwards from their um, present-day lives to the optimistic beginning of their friendship. Tell me more about your role.
5: Yes, yeah, so I play Franklin Shepard. He is a uh, very ambitious, insecure composer. And at the start of the play, he is... He has just had a a huge movie hit. He's a producer now, not a composer. And he is charismatic and funny, but you realize that he is not happy with his life. And Mm. it's all an act. And so the play really focuses on, um, there's a common theme in all the transition songs called, how did you get to, it's called Merrily We Roll Along, just like the title of the show. Um, And in there, they say, how did you get to be here? So you get to go back in time and see all the decisions that led him to his unhappy life and where he lost his dreams along the way.
2: Wow, it tells a, that tells a lot. It all automatically makes me want to go see this. Okay, so this was, um, I think it was first produced on Broadway It premiered in, in 1981. Do you ever think to yourself and many other pieces that you do, okay, is this up to date? Is this for young people? Are they going to come out and see what it is that we love about this piece?
5: Oh, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> and one thing I love about Theater Latte Da is that the stories that they pick to be told are relevant today. And so this one, it was actually, it only ran, I think, two weeks on Broadway back in 1981 and closed. Uh, wow. It was not, That's a right. it was a flop. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> they've done a lot of work on it to make it better and to make it work. But there have been a lot of, not-so-successful productions. I think this production, though, under the beautiful, delicate hands of Peter Rothstein, is a very successful one. Plus, also, everyone in this cast is dedicated to telling the same story. They dive deep into their characters, and the performances are just mind-blowing.
2: You have quite a cast. Can I mention them very quickly? In fact, if you'd like to mention them, you're welcome to. But, of course, you, Reese, uh, and, and being a part of it, and there's Dylan Frederick, Becca Hart, uh, Britta Ullman and is it B- V Bohem?
5: Yes, V Bohem. She is oh, amazing. Oh my God. <laughs>
2: I love that name. And Charlie Clark with an ensemble of Ronnie Allen, uh, Matthias Brenda. Is that correct?
1: Uh, Matthias.
2: Okay. And um, of course, Cameron Bulo. I should have let you do this, you know. Kim yeah, 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 do, and Ryan uh, London Levin.
5: I can do it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, it's exciting that you guys have so many people on this stage and knowing that you're in one of the key um, uh, roles. That's amazing. Have you done this piece before?
5: I have never done this piece before. And I really have only heard a couple songs before I started, before I was cast in it. I was unaware of the piece. And I, at first, when we first started rehearsals, I was already hesitant. I was like, I understand why this flopped. It's, It's a hard story to tell. But... As we dove deeper into it, I fell in love with the piece. It's just a beautiful piece about the human condition, about the choices we make and the friendships we have along the way.
2: That is so important for all of us to know. So thank you for sharing that on air, because I think people will be thinking about that for a bit this evening or tonight as they're getting ready for bed. That is for sure. It is absolutely true. And you've never done this piece before, and I'm I'm sure you might have been even surprised at how much you loved it.
5: Oh, definitely. And I love Stephen Sondheim's work, his body of work. I've loved every show that I've seen or I've done. And so I knew I was going to come around to it.
2: Okay, so as we uh, wrap up our conversation, I have to ask you about what is next for you. You're going to, and well, before you do that, tell us when the piece begins. What was the opening night?
5: Uh, the opening night of Merrily was um, last Saturday.
2: Last Saturday, I missed the opening. Are you kidding me? And it that's and it okay, ends. That's okay. it ends and it on? ends
5: on October thirtieth.
2: Oh, I've got some time. I would love to meet you. I would love to meet you. So I'm definitely oh, I'm, I going to really work hard to try to get there to see it. Um, the, the work that La Da does, it's just so wonderful. Theater La Da, Great, great work. I've seen a few of their pieces, and I'm always in for seeing it, seeing another one. If there's anything you want, you want people I've to know. I've been a fan of them for a-, <laughs> right, for a long time, right?
5: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: So is there anything you want to tell people? Like, is it okay to bring children to a piece like this?
5: Um, it is. Uh, I, it is. I would say uh, 12 and above, personally, just because of the, the subject matter. It reminds me of a play with music, so it's more heavy. It's not as flashy as other musicals. So kids might not be completely entertained, but um, it is still a beautiful piece. And I think that the audience will definitely walk away thinking about their life and their dreams and if they are are following their true destiny
2: yeah and it's hard for young people to find their true destiny but they're getting they're getting used to it because they know they got to save the world coming up so you might as well (laughs) do what you have to do (laughs) can i ask your age
5: yeah i'm 25.
2: You are 25. You sound like you're 19. Oh, my gosh. Treasure that. <laughs> I treasure that I will, as much as you can. And then you're on your way to New York um, and to be in the spot that you want to be where your family is. I wish you well. I wish you well on your travels. And please tell the cast that I do hope I get to see them on that stage. Um, really, I've heard that this piece is not as easy as other pieces. And so I know you're working hard and Theodore Lauderdale knows how to do it. So congratulations on the opening. And I know you're hearing good things from people.
5: Yes. Thank you so much, Carolyn.
2: You be well. All right, you everyone. Too. That is Reese Brits. Yes, Reese Brits. And it is featuring him in this piece. And I I'm I have to tell you, I'm not as familiar with this piece at all as I was reading about it, trying to figure it all out. Um, he sounds really excited. And I missed opening night. How could I do that? But I'm sure going to try to go this week, and I hope you will too. All right, we got, we're going to take a break and come back in just a moment. It is now 8.53 here at WCCO. Welcome back. You are listening to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. Coming up in the next hour is Center Stage, all things arts and entertainment. We just believe you ought to know about it. In fact, it started early. Our last guest, uh, Reese Brits. Yeah, he's definitely part of of Center Stage as well. But we have so many great things to talk about with music and arts um, that we thought we'd throw it in at 8.35. But I want to read something to you from Reignite the Soul. I've told you about this Um, this thought for the week that they send me. And I'm just so excited when I get it. It says, you are responsible for the energy you put out into the world. Every person and situation you encounter each day provides you the opportunity to make the world a better place. Take time to show people you care through a smile, a kind word, a random act of kindness. Everyday actions matter. And may Be just what someone needs to brighten their day and make a significant difference in their life. What are the deposits you are making into the lives of everyone you meet each day? Be the one who nurtures and cares. Be the one who looks for the best in people. Help others, make a difference in their lives. Give more than you get. Be an encourager of potential. Every time you put something positive out into the universe, you change and the world changes. Your kindness will invite miracles to show up, not just in your world, but the whole world. The greatest gift you will give to the world is your commitment to leave what you found in better condition than the way you found it. Leave a single light in a place where there was once darkness, so those coming behind you will see farther and behind where you left off and begin where you left off. You have the power each day to leave all those you meet better off than when you found them. And I'm just wondering, are you willing to commit to this noble endeavor today? And if so, just start thinking of the song, This Little Light of Mine, and see if that encourages you to do more, to be more, to say more of the right things, to encourage someone to be better. All right, you guys, I know it's almost time for us to go, but I do want to tell you we have some great lined up Some greats lined up for our 9 o'clock hour. Rohan Preston is going to start it out. We're going to talk about theater, of course. Um, Also, Gary Lennon, director of Once Upon a Mattress, is going to join us. Uh, Jaden Setia. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Twin Cities Film Fest, executive director. Oh my gosh. If you have not been to any of the film cities, I mean the, the Twin Cities Film Festivals, they are so significant, you guys. They really have incredible pieces to watch. You can watch them online often. So just if you can, just start looking into what Twin Cities Film Festival is all about. Even if you can't go to one, and I hope you can, but if you can't go to one, I know there have been years I haven't been able to go, please know that you can find a lot of them online, and I'm hoping it's the same for this year. So don't give up. Don't let go. Go and check it out and learn. Learn so much about so many others and what they're doing, the great things that a lot of young people even are doing right now. Just quite remarkable. Again, coming up next is center stage. And of course, the mom and Michael hour is the last hour. Unfortunately, he will not be joining us tonight. He was in a wedding, I believe. So I apologize for that, but we will definitely see if he can join us next week. All right, Jonathan, I'm going to shut up because I know you're sitting there going, hey, Gerilyn. Oh, by the way, I also wanted to let you guys know that, um, I am actually doing a show at Crooners. I might as well get this in while I can. Um, and this is on October 22nd, and it is in the main room. And it is from my series called The Pianist Knows Best. And it's a fun thing. It's like the pianist has all the power. I have none. Okay? None. Whatever they tell me, whatever he or she tells me to do, I have to sing that song, whether I know it or not. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'll tell you more later. <laughs> we'll be back in a moment